Welcome back to another episode of Placemaking St. Louis, Not a Guilt Trip. I'm Sammy O'Reilly, and this week we will be diving into the broader topic of ecotourism to address the inherent harms associated with its practice and how different forms of tourism, such as education-based tourism, attempt to mitigate these harms by prioritizing unilateral power structures, indigenous community collaboration, and socio-ecological awareness and protection. One example of education-based tourism in practice is the University of Maryland's undergraduate study abroad program called Brazil, Conservation and Indigenous Peoples, Ethnographic Methods, which takes place in the Cayapo community in the Amazon Basin region of Brazil. This week, I had the honor of interviewing Dr. Janet Chernella, founder of the program, and Matthew Rook and Emily Cologne, two graduate students and co-instructors for the course, to gather further insight into the program's implementation, operation, and implications from various student, educator, and community perspectives. I had done a number of study abroad programs before, but in 2004, I moved to the University of Maryland. Okay. Uh, and was looking for a new study abroad program. However, it wasn't in that regard that I began to work with Barbara Zimmerman to create this program. I had been hired by the Nature Conservancy to write a report on ecotourism within indigenous lands. Um, one article that I wrote with Laura Zanotti is about this very thing. Uh, we, we held of three consecutive annual meetings in the Kayapo territories and decided as a result of that, those were in 2000, 2001, and our final decision was in 2002, decided that open tourism in an indigenous area and particularly in the village of Aokere in the Kayapo area was not appropriate. And it was on that basis that we began to think about a course. From the very outset, this course was founded in a response to ecotourism and a, a correction in many ways of some of the assumptions of ecotourism. Mm -hmm. In Dr. Ternella's article, Conflicting Cultures of Nature, Ecotourism, Education, and the Cayapo of the Brazilian Amazon, written in collaboration with former student, program participant, and colleague Laura Zanotti, three contradictions are identified within typical ecotourist practices that directly and indirectly harm indigenous communities. The first is an inherent prioritization placed over the visitor's experience and idealization at the expense of indigenous knowledge, respect, and authenticity. Yes, there are quite a few problems, um, not the least of which is that members of the community are uh, turned into a kind of uh, force to serve the tourists. Also, the tourists can be extremely intrusive. They can walk around a village and walk into people's homes. Uh, they can talk about people in their presence uh, in a language that people don't understand. We felt that we could best uh, eliminate those kinds of problems by having students. Too much success in ecotourism is a very bad thing. It's an extremely intrusive activity. 
The second is a lack of community support and the empowerment of local leaders and social infrastructure. Robert Fletcher and Katia Neves' article, Contradictions in Tourism, the Promise and Pitfalls of Ecotourism as a Manifold Capitalist Fix, also point out the inherent distancing of ecotourist practices from intentional collaboration with indigenous communities, which ultimately leads to their exploitation, displacement, and resource removal. Collaboration between education-based tourism programs and indigenous community representatives are crucial in mitigating these potential harms. The course itself on the ground is all done in collaboration and co-constructed with uh, the community's leadership and then also community decided upon kind of instructors or little leaders. I have the word in Kaipo, but it doesn't translate perfectly well into Portuguese or into English. It's like a, a little leader or not like diminutive, but, you know, not the community leader, but the leader of this specific project, I guess you would, you would call him, right? Uh, or her. Uh, and they help us and direct and drive the activities that uh, are part of the course curriculum. So they help to find the instructors that are going to lead the activity on gardening or beadwork or body painting or walking through the forest to collect acai. Uh, and they provide the instructional support and then we're there as kind of facilitators or uh, interlocutors to translate or provide context as necessary. We also uh, orchestrated interviews in which the professor was uh, an interpreter, a translator and interpreter. I remember one occasion when a student asked or wished to ask one of the Kaipo men whether he thought his society was um, male chauvinist. And, and so uh, being the translator, I asked uh, what they said after Barbara and I spoke to people in the men's house. And his answer was, we laugh all year long. So the, the students were able to, as closely as possible, given that everything had to be mediated, were able to interview the Kayapo directly. Yeah, so right now there's the three chiefs of the community that are from the different age grades and one is a different gender. So we have Marika Moro, who is the first female chief, who was, what was it, 2015 when she was, um, Pointed sort of. Um, and then we have two of the male chiefs from the upper age grades. Um, so those are three people that, of course, we're always interacting with. Um. Lastly, our unintentional or unforeseen consequences on the environment. Susan Gillespie speaks to the detrimental environmental and ecological harms associated with ecotourist practices, particularly in risk societies, in her article, The Practice of International Education in the Context of Globalization, a Critique, where she argues that components of travel, including transportation, lodging, even hiking, swimming, etc., in some environmental systems can contribute to degradation in, again, prioritizing the experience of the visitor and not the land itself. Uh, so one of the ways that we try to do that is to kind of disrupt or at least intervene on what some of these narratives are around environmentalism or indigeneity or the Amazon, right? Uh, and we often have this kind of romanticized version of what 
uh, indigenous communities are like or what the tropical rainforest is like or what NGO actors are like or environmentalists are like. And we spent a lot of time, as Emily was saying, kind of positioning ourselves as anthropology students or conservation biology students or international educators or engineers or what have, what have you and trying to establish, you know, where are we coming from? What are our values and what are we really seeing through this experience? Uh, and how do we reflect on that uh, as we come away from it and then move into whatever uh, the next set of activities are going to be? In learning more about the structure and activities of the program over its 15 plus years of operation, I was curious to know whether or not the central question of Dr. Trinella's article had been answered. Could they do it? Could the Kayapo pilot program be feasibly structured and implemented to entirely mitigate the harms of ecotourism? I was lucky enough to ask her. The course doesn't occur in a vacuum. The course occurs in a context of changing and sometimes radically changing political and social environments. So since the course had its beginnings, a Kayapo NGO has been created. Okay. And the course has developed a relationship to that NGO. In some ways, that NGO is based in Aukuri, but in many other ways, the NGO is separate from the Aukuri community. And I'll let uh, Emily and Matt speak more about that. But the course has adapted to these circumstances, and I would suggest turn them into advantages. When I said that we created <coughs> generations of advocates for the Kayapo, I don't think we could have seen at the outset just how important those would have been. One of the biggest things with this is that even though you kind of have tropical forest ecology happening at Pink Aichi and like the anthropology happening at the village, I think we've done a better job at trying to have students and instructors understand that like these things don't occur separately. So just because you're learning about how something grows in Pink Aichi doesn't mean that there's also a social and a cultural aspect to that for the people who have... Um, for lack of better terms, been stewards to this land. All three guests agreed, however, that there are several components of tourism that are impossible to entirely escape. Specifically, author Christiane Nordmeyer shares the perspective in her article, Ending White Saviorism and Study Abroad, that speaks to the inherent colonialist components of education-based tourism that often place students and visitors in positions of short-term power over locals. Emily shared her thoughts about the program's ability to combat this issue and how she interprets her own role and experiences. Similar to what Janet said, this isn't a vacuum, right? So no matter what, we're still as decolonized that we try to make this program. There's no such thing as uncolonizing. We're still bringing North American students and instructors to a very restricted land um, to teach, right? So even though we are co-creating this course with the Kaipo themselves, it's always still going to be colonial. There's always going to be a power imbalance. Um, as much as we try to mitigate that, it's just not possible, right? Um, that's in just about an aspect of our lives. Um, the feedback loops and the time 
that people spend uh, are really what get at uh, addressing some of those concerns that are involved in ecotourism, but also involved in other short-term study abroad programs and long-term study abroad programs and, and Peace Corps, which is a two-year program. Uh, so those kinds of critiques are, are kind of baked into the pie. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to really address, and, and I am constantly struggling with my own biases and values that I've taken with me through my life every time that I participate. Uh, so my own growth in the last five or six years, however long I've been involved in this, is, is remarkable to me when I look back at what I you know, was writing and thinking in 2011 versus what I'm thinking about now um, with respect to this same space and same course. Crucial aspects of the political ecology of the Kayapo communities involve social relationships and interactions with the environment that are critical in preserving indigenous culture and customs. Alyssa Ruth explains in her article, Long-Term Benefits of Short-Term Research Integrated Study Abroad, that potential benefits arise from study abroad programs consisting of cyclic and long-lasting advocates and actors for the communities and cultures they learn from and interact with. This preservation is evident in the pilot program through the sustainable and reciprocal nature of participation, wherein the students eventually become the advocates themselves. What's been really powerful about this course for many students who participate, it has, it has become kind of their pro professional or academic trajectory, right? So mm -hmm. uh, the co-author on the paper, Laura Zanotti, was a, was a student in the course in 2004 and now is a kind of eminent Kaipo scholar and anthropologist herself at Purdue University. Uh, I, I came on as an instructor in 2014 and I got hooked and have made this kind of uh, uh, the trajectory of my, my doctoral work and now kind of embedded in the community in a number, in a number of ways, with the community in a number of ways. In the case of Laura Zanotti and in the case of others, they become a kind of um, apprentice, a kind of disciple of the class. We hope to generate um, generations of advocates for the kind of Throughout this discussion, I am continuously reminded and inspired by the desire and dedication of social, environmental, and cultural advocates to learn and spread awareness about the various practices, customs, and issues pressing different communities across the world. With this desire and dedication comes the inherent responsibility to implement best practices that adhere to the respect, empowerment, and preservation of a community's independent leadership, resources, and ecology. Dr. Chernella's article raised an important question about the ethics of tourist-based implications of study abroad programs. It is clear after speaking to her, Matthew and Emily firsthand that an incredible amount of preparation, education, collaboration, and advocacy is prioritized and valued that provides an excellent case study for the positive, sustainable effects of education-based tourism. How many times have you met somebody who says one and one equals two? And then how many times have you met 
a person who said one and one equals three, and they were deeply serious, and you sensed they were right in their world. So if you travel and you encounter different ways of knowing the world, it makes you suspicious of every authoritarian personality, whether they're political or religious or scientific, who says this is the way the world works. I don't believe anyone understands the way the world works. And you really can learn a lot.